This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. And we have our guy Jeff Schwartz on the show. Jeff, how you doing? I am good. You know, we got a lot of uh, sports happening. It's nice. You know, there's a little, a little tiny NFL break. I know there's a lot of some NFL new friends. We got the BAM college basketball. It's, it's kind of nice, nice little sports time right now. I like it. It's a good time. There's no offseason in the NFL. Uh, free agency is one of my favorite weeks. And I think a lot of Bengals fans and NFL fans need to know it's more than one day. Uh, a yes. lot of fans were, were freaking out a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's, uh, I want to say, Wednesday night around 10.30, NFL insiders release a report about Orlando Brown coming to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'll be completely honest, we've talked plenty of offensive line on our podcast. And we didn't bring up Orlando Brown because I didn't think he was going to be an option for Cincinnati. It's a little wild how everything worked out. I think his agent um, called the Bengals the day yeah. that the, the, the signing happened and was like, hey, do you guys have interest? And of course, Orlando Brown come to Cincinnati. You've seen our offensive line. You're obviously familiar with the Kansas yep. City Chiefs and Orlando Brown. Tell us a little bit about Brown and, and, and what Cincinnati is gaining at left tackle. Well, I think the reason why you know it was a surprise to get him was I think everyone assumed the Chiefs were going to find a way to bring him back, no matter you know, you know whether it was franchise tag, which was taken off the table, or just get a deal done, right? I mean, you're you're the champions, you, you bring a left tackle back. Most teams don't left don't don't let those tackles walk. And then obviously they signed Taylor, and it's like, oh boy, now he's available. And his agent did, did a good job. He looked around the NFL. He saw which team could use offensive linemen. Hey, Bengals, you need offensive linemen? Like, hey, let's make it work. And look, what I think is, is most important about Brown, this is what I, why I thought the Chiefs would keep him, is he's very reliable and he, is, and he stays healthy. Those are two things I think the, the, the Bengals really are going to count on with him, right? Because the injuries have really been an issue, right? You guys added pieces last year. Those guys got hurt. Now, it's not all their faults why they're hurt, but they got hurt. And Orlando Brown doesn't get hurt. He plays every single game, every single rep. And you put him at left tackle and you say, okay, we know we have in Brown. He's there. Yeah, do we have to help him a couple times? And Sure. But we know. We know we got with him. He's reliable. We can count on him. He can block. He can do pass protection, run blocking. Again, he plays every snap. So I think the reliability and, and, and the durability are so important when you pay someone that much money. I think that was really uh, one of the main factors in wanting to bring Brown in there is that you've had so many injuries along that front. That guy doesn't get hurt. And that's very important here. When you think of, um, because some of the things I'm hearing is uh, Chiefs fans saying, oh, he's not a top 10. He's not a top 15 uh, left tackle. What do you think of that? Because you've you've mentioned it before, the offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a big pickup for them in Joe Burrow's protection. Look, is he the best left tackle in the NFL? No. Um, is he the worst? No. I mean, I think he's somewhere in the middle, right? Is he? Is he? I think he's. I'll put this like he's above average. Okay. Um, and look, do I think? I think we the sack numbers get a little skewed. Right? I mean, Joe Burrow said himself, takes a lot of sacks. Like he's Brown's going to give up a couple sacks, guys. It's going to happen that you might think are more than he should allow. Well, Joe Burrow said himself, like yeah, I kind of get sacked a lot. Like it happens, right? Pat Mahomes. Doesn't get sacked a lot. He throws the ball away very quickly. He avoids sacks a lot better than Burrow does. So did Lamar Jackson, who Brown played for as well. So the sack numbers might go up with Brown, like whatever. But I think that Brown is is in the kind of maybe that um, like tier two of left tackles. It's probably about right where I put him. Um, but you know, the Chiefs fans are you know look, they're going to be salty. They always it's just the way it works. Bengals fans are salty. Chiefs fans are salty. There's a rivalry brewing. Rivalries are great. 
great for sports, by the way. This little rivalry that's happening right now, it's awesome for football. Uh, you got two young quarterbacks. You know, go out there for hopefully 10, 12, 15 more years. This is great, great for, for the NFL. I think a lot of people have to remember, he's 26 years old, going to be 27 in yes. a few months, which is really impressive. They get him for a four-year deal. When you looked at the number, because you saw what the Chiefs offered him last offseason, and he bet on himself. And it, I don't know if I could say it really worked out for the most money for him, but he did get $31 million on Sunday from the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals. What did you think about the contract? Well, I think it depends on, on what side you're on, right? So we're seeing this trend of free agency for players to take shorter deals now. And I think kind of Brown fans is that. So, you know, the, the two, the first two years are good. 20 is $21 million per year, right? Four two years, 42 million. That's great. $21 million per year. That's, but then you tack that third year on, it goes down to $16 million per year, right? So I think if you're Brown, the first years are great. And then I think you hope, hey, man, like, can we come, can we get more money, right? Like, 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 can we back to the table and get more money? Because when you get into year three, that's where a deal becomes very Bengals friendly. And even in year four, if, if, if you get to there. So year one and two, good cash flow for Brown. Year three is where the Bengals really get a, a deal. If he's playing well, he's on the same path he's on now. And let's just not, Let's say he plays the same player he is now. In year three of this deal, his number again drops to $16 million per year because he goes from making 42 over two to, four, I think, 49 over three. That's a huge win for the Bengals in year three. So, I, you know, again, like we'll see how that, that third year plays out. But I think Brown for the first two years did a really good job and the Bengals protected themselves on the back end. Yeah, that's something the Chiefs reported deal was supposed to be like six years, I think. And yeah. it makes sense for a player why the money looks great, like the hundred something million, but you don't know if you see that. So when you front load it and can extend because he's a young player, that's really nice. Um, it felt like the Chiefs, they didn't give him a lot of like true chip help, but they line up a tight end outside of him or have a running back shoot yeah. off his outside. Is that something you think that the Bengals should add to give him just a little bit of help because he's not the most athletic left tackle? Well, it really depends on your offense, right? So Kansas City, um, you know, would, would lean toward helping like Wiley a little bit more than helping Brown, right? You kind of have to choose. You really, ideally, if you want to, if you have to help both tackles, you're not going to have much of a pass game, right? Because then you lose your yeah. tight end and your running back in in the route concept, essentially. And you need to have those guys typically in your route concept. So you you kind of pick and choose. So imagine if you're paying Brown 20 million. I had an offensive line coach tell me one time who coached with the Ravens with, with Jonathan Ogden, okay? And... Uh, he had a young left guard one time in training camp who went out and helped Jonathan Ogden at left guard. He pulled the young kid and said, buddy, we pay that guy to be by himself. If you ever help him again, I'm cutting you. Okay. Like Brown is being paid to block by himself now. So if there's help to be had, you give it to the right tackle, right? Like if, yeah. that's the way it works now. Like you're paying this guy to be by himself. Now, other times you put a ton in there. Sure. Other times you might put a, have a back presence there. Absolutely. But you're paying him to be by himself. Like that's that's the that's that's what you're paying him to do, um, and that's what the Chiefs did as well. And that's why they helped out more Andrew Wiley, who at times is the lesser of the two pass protectors between him and and, and and Brown. So if you're looking at the Bengals right now, and let's say Jonah is at right tackle, and Lyle Collins is right tackle, maybe you help those guys, and you you you, know, you leave Brown by himself. I think when you you bring up Jonah Williams, when the signing happened, a lot of people thought oh, is he going to go play right tackle for Orlando Brown for one year and then move to left tackle because Jonah Williams' option was picked up for this year and he was going to play left tackle. 
everybody knows what Jonah Williams is. And I think Bengals fans are, they were pretty down on him going into this off season and Orlando Brown is an upgrade. So Orlando Brown's going to be the left tackle the next day. Jonah Williams agent puts out that he would like to be traded <laughs> to be determined on if somebody wants to pick up $12 million for Jonah and he's going to go play left tackle elsewhere, but O-line play is poor in a lot of teams. So maybe they do find somebody that they trade him to and they pick up the 12 million. What do you think of Jonah Williams? If he does stay at right tackle, how hard is that for an offensive lineman to transition? Well, it really depends. Everyone's different. Like I, I couldn't play left guard. I was good at right guard. Couldn't play left guard. Um, but I think Jonah sees what Orlando Brown did, right? Which is Orlando Brown said, I'm not playing right tackle. Uh, there's different money at right tackle, right? I mean, look at, at right tackle. I think the highest guys are getting 16, 17 a year. Like Ramcheck, Lane Johnson, even I think McGlinchey's up there now. And the highest left tackles are getting 25 a year. It's a big difference, um, you know, in, in what Laramie Tunzel just got. And there's a prestige of playing left tackle over right tackle. And Jonah Williams is in the contract season. He wants to play left tackle, the position he's most comfortable with, especially coming off an injury, right? You're coming off an injury, you want to play what you're most comfortable doing. Now they're saying, hey, go play right tackle. And by the way, Lyle's still there, right? So is there now a competition at right tackle for who, for who has that job? So I get why Jonah Williams wants to be traded. However, I, I just don't know if that's going to be an option, right? Because you look around the NFL right now, and I actually thought Orlando Brown was in a tough spot because I, I did the math. Like, look at the who needs left tackles right now. And you look down the, the line, you're like, well, they're probably not going to pay for Orlando Brown. They're not going to pay for that. Same thing with, with Jonah Williams. You're like, well, is that team really going to pay for Jonah Williams for one year? Is that team going to do it? Is that team going to do it? Is that team going to do it? Well, especially with the draft coming up, those teams might take left tackles in the first round. And then now Jonah Williams is sort of out of it options. I think he ends up playing for the Bengals this year. Um, and he probably ends up playing right tackle and just has to suck it up for a year and hope it doesn't affect his free agency um, options after the season. Because I, I just don't see a lot of teams that – are going to trade for Jonah Williams for one season, give up the, an asset for that um, when they could go and draft a left tackle for, you know, for, for cheaper, essentially. Well, while we have you on here, I'm going to bring up the other offensive line pieces because you're our other O-line guru. Yeah. You get Alex Cap out there, who I felt like had a really good year. It was really unfortunate that he had his injury so late in the season. Cordell Volson is going to go into year two. He was probably – the worst out of all of it, if you're not if you're not including the right tackle position, because Lyle Collins just really never felt fully healthy from his back injury. And then he was obviously injured in December. You add Orlando Brown out there, Jonah Williams, if he is right tackle. And then you have Ted Karras at center. How do you feel about this offensive line for Joe Burrow? If it stays healthy, it's really good, right? And I think the the, the team did a good job of figuring out, you know, halfway through the season about what was the best run scheme for this offensive line. What was the best way to use them in pass protection? Um, and it kind of all gelled together. Now, again, look, I think I, I don't like that Joe wants to hold the ball a little bit longer than I think at times he should. I mean, it's just like from an offensive line perspective, I get his mindset with that. I, I would always defer to taking less hits if I was a quarterback. Like, I, I know you're trying to make some of the – but I thought too, like I really thought when, um, when Jamar Chase got hurt this year, I really felt that – the offense changed and, and Joe started using his running backs as an outlet to get the ball out quicker. It was a very noticeable, the, the first game, the Bengals struggle was the Browns game, right? I think it was the Browns game yeah. um, where they really struggled. And then after that, like I felt Joe just kind of got better, like avoiding taking hits and getting the ball out quickly. Like let's get out. Let's like, let's let me find my guy who it's a back seven yards. Great. It's a back 10 yards. Great. Like, like I don't need to make that big play anymore. And I felt that that shift, especially in the, that shift, the run game shift, 
not needing explosive plays so much. So I think they're figuring out a way now to kind of reduce those hits on him with this better offensive line. I think it's all going to kind of come together now in, in the right package that you want to see it. So I'm looking forward to seeing this offense roll. Again, it's going to be a lot of fun, the AFC. I mean, it's it's a very top-heavy conference with a lot of great quarterbacks, a lot of great offenses. It might come down to who has the better defense, right? I mean, who has a serviceable defense might end up winning this conference. Yeah, that run scheme change. I mean, how hard is it to rep something all offseason is one thing and then just change it around the bye week? I mean, that feels well, really difficult. It, it, well, yes and no, because you, you do practice a little bit of everything in training camp. So there is there is some familiarity with it. But I think it's in, I think this is a sign of really good coaching because what you want to do with the bye week, and I would imagine the Bengals did this, and not, not every team I played for did this, is, is you you get a you get the analytics department, they print out, okay, when we run duo, we're this successful. We run this play, we're this successful. And you give it to your offensive line coach. And you say, here, buddy, here's what we're good at. And you look at it, you're like, oh, okay, well, we're, we're crappy. That play, let's not run them. I mean, Kansas City, um, when I was with the, the Chiefs, they were the best at this that I recall when I played. Our offensive line coach loved to run power. It was his favorite play. We sucked at power. Halfway through the season, he just threw it out. It was 13% successful. He's like, we suck at this. Throw it out. Like, my pride, I don't care. Get rid of it. It stinks. We're not good at it. And so run what you're good at. And, and, and if the Bengals offensive line is more comfortable running plays that are forward, straight ahead, vertical plays instead of the sideways zone stuff, then run what they're good at and figure it out from there. And so I think it's a sign of good coaching that you look at what you're good at, what you're bad at, and you just say, let's just run what we're good at. Of course, there's you need some wrinkles every now and then. You can't run the same stuff over and over again. But the guys, I think, appreciate Okay, let's run the, the things that I excel at. I excel at, at double vertical double teams. Let's let's just do that. So I think the, the guys actually uh, like um, being able to just run what they're good at. Bengals Chiefs Thursday night football to open the season. No, I think no chance. Um, <laughs> I that because here's why: one, they typically want that to be a win for the home team in a lot of those games. If you look at like the opponents in the past. Um, but two, no chance CBS lets that game get away from them. That's that's more than anything else. Like there's see you, you, the networks get to protect games, and there's not a chance in hell CBS lets that game go to any other network than than theirs. Like that's going to be December again. I imagine it'll be a four twenty five. Uh, where's it at? Is it? At, it's in Kansas City this year, right? I think. Yeah, yeah, it's in Kansas City this year. Um, so that I, it'd be the I, I bet it's the same weekend, like first week in December. It's going to be that first week in December. 425 Romo and Nance on CBS. Yeah, that's so. a smart thing to do if you're CBS. You want to lock that yes. up for so December seating purposes, what you have going on. But yeah, I absolutely, I don't want it to kick off the season. I, I don't want it either. On. I, I, I want, like, I, I think it, it deserves to be later in the season when, it, yeah, guys might be beat up. You might not get full rosters, but it, like, it feels, it, it feels like more important in December, right? It just feels like it's, it's darker outside. Like, it's just like, it's little, the, the winter weather. Like It just feels more important than September. Plus, I think it's not unfair to the Bengals, but to be there for the banner raising, like, it just, it, it's not, yeah, like, it's it's just to me, like, you don't have the Bengals there for that game. Um, you, you give the Chiefs a team they can beat and you move it along. 
Yeah, Jeff Schwartz. We're going to have you join us again because okay. he wants to talk about the Bengals' offensive line, and I'm sure we're going <laughs> to want to do a midseason assessment of Orlando Brown left tackle. But um, as always, you are a fun follow on Twitter. Where can fans follow you? Yeah, at Jeff Schwartz. It's Jeff with a G. Uh, post all my stuff there. Um, I, I stopped arguing so much with people. It's just like it's just not worth my time anymore. I used to argue a lot, but I, I still put out a lot of good content anyway. So um, it's it's a lot of fun. Hope you follow me. I try to make everyone smarter, and I hate all your teams too. So it makes it all, it makes it it makes it good. Oh, I've I heard that the, many of times from Bengals fans. Jeff Schwartz doesn't like the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't. But- yeah, I hate I hate everyone. So I hate everyone equally, though. At least love the spoon videos. Hope we get. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. When I post like positive Bengals content, no one seems to 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 comment that at me anymore it's weird how that works right it, it definitely is make sure you're following along we're gonna have mon again this season a great nfl follow but thank you so much for joining us on it's always game day in cincinnati take care guys thank you this, this is it's always game day in cincinnati with lindsey patterson and mike santagata We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Love having Jeff Schwartz uh, join us because because he's my he's my other O-line guru. I know Mike Santagata is the other one. Make sure you're following along over Bengals underscore Sands. But, man, it's been a busy week for Bengals social media, Bengals offensive line, Jonah Williams. The day after we recorded and talked about him at right tackle, his agent released to NFL insiders that he is requesting a trade. I don't blame Jonah. We've talked about Jonah Williams plenty this offseason. I was okay with Jonah Williams playing at left tackle this year. Obviously, I'm really happy that Orlando is an upgrade over Jonah and then thought, hey, you move him out to right tackle, we'll see how that goes. Understand, contract year for Jonah Williams. He wants to make that left tackle money. But at the end of the day, I feel like Jonah's going to play at right tackle. But what did you kind of take from all of the, the trade demand and, and Jonah Williams' right tackle? It made sense. Contract year, try to get him to play out of position after a down year where he played through an injury. I mean, just fully makes sense. Now, do the Bengals honor it? I mean, what is the point anymore? Who is out there that you need the the money? And when you look back at this free agency, they did a good job. I think the thing that stops it from being like an A rating is just Joe Mixon still hitting you at 12 million and Jonah Williams is hitting you at 12 million. And for what they're probably going to give the Bengals this year, those cap hits should be lower. Now, I think the guys they signed, slam dunk, you know, hit it out of the park. It's just, man, could you have moved Jonah Williams or reduced the cap hit on Mixon and gotten Dalton Schultz at $9 million? Seeing that deal just makes you go like, oh, one year, $9 million is exactly what the Bengals should be playing in. That's their market. Um, but it is what it is. I don't. I don't think it's a bad free agency. It's just when I look at it, it's like, man, one of the all-in years, and there's a lot of cap going to places that probably aren't going to add a ton of value to this team. We hope that Joe Mixon comes back. It sounds like seems like he's going to be on the team, um, even if they had a draft pick. So comes back and plays at – it wasn't that long ago. Two years ago, he played at a really high level. And I thought at times, especially the five-touchdown game, but at times other than that too – Played at a really good level this year. He's just, he's only a runner. So he's going to be off the field on these passing downs. And is that worth the 12 million? I don't know. We're at the point. It doesn't matter. We move on. And those, I think those cap hits won't be there next year, but going to root for him this year. I mean, he needs to do well. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Jonah Williams. One of the things about the Bengals front office, they don't really care if you have an opinion or you want to be traded. Yeah. 
I mean, they're like, okay, we, you want to you sit right down? Uh, you want to sit there? I, I see Carson Palmer as an example in 2011. Credit to the front office to be able to get the picks they did for Carson Palmer. But it, it's their time. They're in no rush. Uh, it, does somebody want to take $12 million off the Bengals' books next year? Then, yeah, you're going to sign up. You're going to sign up probably average or maybe a little bit below average right tackle, or maybe Lyle Collins will be good to go at the right tackle position. I know the, the Cody Ford situation, they're playing, paying him that minimum, which is good to me if he's a depth piece at right tackle. I don't think he's going to be your answer at right tackle. He's, the details came out. It's just a $1 million deal. I think he's fighting for a roster spot, to be honest, which is what he's been the past two years. I know some people have been trying to hype it up. He's only given up so many sacks. That's because he's been benched. <laughs> He'd give up more if he wasn't benched. So I think at the end of the day, look, Jonah Williams, he's always been great. His time in Cincinnati, yeah. you never really hear much from Jonah Williams. And and I do think of him as a person, um, you know, he hears this news and he's coming back this offseason from injury thinking, all right, I'm going to play left tackle. Oh, wait, I'm not playing left tackle. And I thought I had one more year at left tackle here because I thought as soon as we saw the Orlando news before he said left tackle in some of the insider tweets that maybe they were going to move Orlando Brown to right tackle for one year, but you pay him that for a reason. So he's your left tackle. And I think at the end of the day, if they can't find a trade partner, Jonah Williams is going to be the right tackle next year. Um, it, it, do, do we know what Jonah Williams is going to look like at right tackle? No, we don't know what that's going to look like. That is going to be a transition for him. But as a person, I'd still hope Jonah's on the roster. But if they can get a, a draft pick and they can get $12 million off the book, sign me up. I am all for it for your right tackle position, and, and maybe you bring in another body. Uh, but overall, that's to be determined because every time we record, something crazy happens the next day. Uh, so we'll say that right now, and then by Wednesday, they'll have a trade partner for Jonah Williams. So this might be you know, later on. Um, during the draft week or before draft week that they find somebody, but I'm sure those conversations are happening. I just don't think the Bengals front office is in any hurry uh, to move Jonah Williams right now, unless somebody comes calling that they would like Jonah Williams and he should be looked at around the league as a still legit offensive lineman. Um, I know he's, he is an elite. I wouldn't say above average in our terms of above average, but he's, he's okay. He'd be average, okay. With yeah. Average, average, average tackle, and right? Tackle. It's been eight years. I mean, you hope it's like riding a bike, but uh, man, think about where all listeners think about where you were eight years ago. <laughs> like that's yeah. the the Obama administration two presidents ago. <laughs> so yeah. that, it's been a long time. I mean, man, that, but yeah, uh, I don't think he will do like the Carlos Dunlap that will force him to trade him either. I, I think he just. At worst, he'll just say, I'm not going to play right tackle. And then he's your backup left tackle and you just roll with that. I don't think he'll raise enough of a fuss to really cause an issue there. It is interesting. It doesn't have to be a draft pick. You know, there are some interesting, I mean, this is all speculation. I completely doubt this happens, but I don't know. Just think about like flipping Jonah to a team that's rebuilding and getting one of their older expensive pieces out of it. They take on the cap it for one year. You might have to throw in a pick or something, but man, you look at the Colts and they don't have a good left tackle for a quarterback, a rookie quarterback to step into. So I don't know, is, is like a DeForest Buckner available and you have to probably send something else with that just because DeForest Buckner is really good, but just interesting. I, I, I think the Bengals, have always kind of done those player for player trades more than just player for draft pick trades. So that's just something I thought about lately was uh, yeah. His value in a draft pick only is probably like a late third, fourth round pick just because it's one year and he's coming off a big down year and an injury. 
But what if you could flip it for a player that a team doesn't want on the books for the next couple of years? Look, I'm all for a player that you you know what you're getting. If you can get a player from another team and, and maybe it is a one-year, two-year situation that you're getting for Jonah Williams, I'm all about it because you're going to get him probably cheaper than $12 million. And that's more money for your roster. And and I, I'm I'm all for it. If Jonah Williams is a right tackle next year, I hope he's a good right tackle. Um, and then he plays himself into a good contract year and he goes on another team where they're like, you're a left tackle, probably not going to get paid the high dollar at left tackle, but still get a multi-year contract elsewhere. Um, I Do you think it changes anything when you think of pick 28 for the Cincinnati Bengals right now? Oh, man. If Jonah refuses to play right tackle, it really feels, because Long Collins probably not ready week one. That feels like, you don't want to have that Steelers game again, that week one game where all of the hype is there and deflated by halftime. Like, what is this? What is happening to this team? You don't want to start slow. You don't want to start as slow as you did last year. And, man, the the way that happens is you face a good edge rusher and you've got Cody Ford or Jackson Carmen out there at right tackle, and it's like, oh, boy, <laughs> here we go. Um so I almost feel like, man, do you just want to get a right tackle at that spot? That means you'll get a cheap player on your offensive line, which everybody else is expensive except for Volson. So you have three expensive pieces and then there'd be two cheap pieces. I don't know. I, I find that part interesting. I ultimately don't think it should have much effect of what they do at 28. Like, I think almost everything is open at 28 besides quarterback, right? It, even... I don't think I would, even though mock draft had them taking a safety. I don't think I would, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would be nervous. I'm Scott for a year, and I don't know. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't take a safety. I feel like, and this is a me thing also, though. I'm just a big Nick Scott guy. Like, I started watching. I was like, why are people excited about the other safety? This guy's cool. This guy's awesome. But we'll get to that in the next segment. Uh, but, yeah, I, almost everything's open, even though we've kind of – there's a group of fans that are like tackle at 28. There's a group of fans that are Michael Mayer or nothing. There's a group of fans that are now saying Jameer Gibbs at 28. And I am for Bijan at 28, but I don't know about Gibbs. Uh, there's, yeah, there's corner. Like people are like corners, the deepest position in this draft. Go get one at 28. I guess linebacker, you probably also don't want to draft at 28 just because you've got two going to be expensive pieces. When are you even going to play that guy? But yeah, I mean, everything seems open. Bijan, I'm not sure if you're if you're paying attention to some of these mock drafts. He's falling, falling, falling. Just because falling. he's a running back, man. Like, that's it. Five years ago, he goes top five. What do you do? We're gonna get I still there's more Joe Mixon questions I have, and we're gonna get into Nick Scott in our next segment. But what do you we're playing the what if game because we are almost one month from the NFL draft and we can stop playing the what if game. What if he is there at 28? Are you just running to the podium? Yeah, I am. I mean, I don't know. I, I think he's not – to me, he's not in that Saquon Barkley, Adrian Peterson level just because I, he's like a 4-4 athlete and he's probably not going to hit as many home runs. He's still a home run hitter. But, man, he he's definitely in like the Gurley area where Gurley goes like top – I think he went like eighth or something – I don't know. He's definitely in that, like, just a step below what I think are, like, slam dunk, no doubt about it, all pro talents. I think he could easily be an all pro talent, but I just don't think it's a slam dunk he gets there. I think his floor is probably, like, I don't know, a top 12 running back by year three. So I'm running to the podium just because 
there's some other guys I have like fringe first round grades on, but if Bijan's there, that's a clear, clear first round grade and positional value means so much. Like I think if you have two guys around the same level, you go with the, you go with the more valuable position. But if you've got a guy like far and away, your best player on the board, just take him, And it's going to be a cheap contract. Like, I think $2 million a year for the next four years and you pick up a fifth year option. I don't know what it'll be by then, but you get a cheap running back. who's going to be really, really good. And you're pretty stacked everywhere. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, they need a tight end and they right tackle is scary, <laughs> but man, I'd be running for Bijan. I, I'd take him over mayor. I'm trying to think who, who all would be there that would challenge this. I mean, I like can see Kalaja can see a lot. That would be, one, but I have a much better grade on Bijan just because Kansi doesn't play the run very well. So I don't know. I don't think he makes it, but if he is there, I'd run. I'd I just go like, yeah, go get the go get the go get the really 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 talented player. You're picking late enough that this shouldn't matter. And we don't know what their mindset is right now when it comes to the running back position. I feel like, and and maybe they had a difference of opinion when free agency started. But I feel like internally, and I and I put this out on social media today, that I felt like free agency for them was more of your Samaje P. Ryan replacement. They wanted to bring Samaje back. They gave a very similar number, according to Paul Daner. It was a personal reason for Samaje P. Ryan why he chose Denver, um, and and that's unfortunate because I thought he I thought he had an okay season here last year, and I'd have, I would love to have him in the running back room. I don't think their running back room is set, but it's also the end of March. They're not playing tomorrow. Even Frank Pollock said it when, when asking about the right tackle position in the offensive line. He's like, hey, it's St. Patrick's Day. Good thing we're not playing tomorrow. Um, they still have decisions to make, and I think they, that when you look at free agency and, and the, the available running backs left, if they were to bring in a guy, Jared McKinnon is another one, but I think everybody yeah, – that's my guy. His, his age is – you know, injuries. Is you, tell, tell people why that, that would be good. McKinnon. Okay. McKinnon, because he does what P run does not as effective as a pass protector, but he can pass protect. He's smart. He picks things up. He's a little slight for that. Hopefully the Bengals move past their issue with that. Or if that even is the issue with Chris Evans, but man, he was the pass protection guy. He was the passing down back for the chiefs in their super bowl. He made the smartest play of the game just to fall down right at the one yard line. I mean, he's a, smart vet who brings you not only pass protection that's going to be probably the best you can get either in the draft or in free agency at this point but also he's so explosive still i know he's 31 years old but he's got a little he's been injured but there's not as much wear on the you know like he hasn't been running as much because he's missed years so to me when i look at it it's like he was still making 80 yard plays he beat Logan Wilson to the end zone and scored a touchdown against the Bengals. I mean, this guy's very athletic and everybody screams about Pacheco, Pacheco, Pacheco. But when, and this has been the issue is people talk about, you can't trust Mixon in crunch time, blah, blah, blah. They didn't trust Pacheco in two minute drills either. Like he was the running, running back. And then they had a passing down back, which is a lot of teams anymore. And man, he was, he was just really good. I think of, he ended the, Texans game in overtime, he caught the long touchdown. He had a few explosive plays this year. He just looks like he still has so much juice to me. And I know he's 30, 31, somewhere in there. But if you can get a passing down back that can not only do the pass protection, but also take your check downs 80 yards for a touchdown, that's where you need to be. Because that was the one thing P. Ryan was missing was just the explosion. Like, yes, he could run some guys over, make an exciting 10-yard gain. But 
if you get the ball to McKinnon in space, if he gets behind everybody, they're not catching him from behind. He's still a 4-3 athlete. So that's what I see in him. I see, like, yeah, passing down gives you the consistency and pass protection that they'll trust him, but also gives you that explosive factor, which is really just what they've been missing in, from running backs. It's just they need a guy that can catch the ball and just go 50 yards for a touchdown because they, they haven't had that. Yeah, that's definitely one thing that they're missing with this offense. We'll get in a little more Joe Mixon. Nick Scott, I think he's going to be a fan favorite in the safety secondary room next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Offensive line, the running back room. I'm going to continue that conversation because it feels pretty heated. Uh, I feel like uh, the fan base is divided when, when we bring up Joe Mixon. And I think personally, the Cincinnati Bengals would have zero leverage to get rid of Joe Mixon right now because he would be the hottest running back on the market. And another team's going to scoop him up. They're not going to scoop him up for $12 million. But I think internally, those conversations are happening. Joe Mixon even said it during the playoff run. You know, he wants to be in Cincinnati and maybe they have the discussion of this is the pay cut. This is the restructure of your contract. This is what we want to do. We're going to add his future replacement in the draft. You don't have to tell him that personally. Uh, you bring in his replacement in the draft and, and maybe you add another free agency veteran to do the Samaje P. Ryan replacement. I don't know what that running back room is going to look like in September, but I still feel like those conversations are going to happen with Joe Mixon. What should this front office do right now? And, and, and what's, I mean, what's the correct decision in March with the running back room? Do you wait? Yeah. I mean, I kept saying, I think Mixon either gets cut or takes the pay cut with in conjunction with another move. And that move never happened. They didn't sign Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or Dalton Schultz or any of these guys to a big deal and need the money. So if they don't need the money and similar to Jonah Williams and, you know, what is almost the point like right now, like cut or make Joe Mixon take less money to go get Yanni Kingakwe. Like that might be the best available edge rusher. I think Zedarius Smith might be out there. I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Uh, somebody, if I'm just wrong, I'm wrong, but that'd be an awesome move. But like, are they trying to make it? And if they do make it, that's when I think the cut would happen. I think if there's no point in having the extra money, if you're not going to use it is where I am. So with Joe Mixon at this point, I almost expect him to just be back on the same deal. And I don't think that was, good allocation of resources i think he was willing to take a pay cut <laughs> you should probably should have took an advantage of that and played in free agency a little a little more but free agency's not over i just think that a lot of the guys you'd sign now are to small deals and the penguins still have 15 plus million dollars in free agency and it's kind of what i was talking about in the last segment of just i don't it kind of stinks for an all-in year, and the reason I'm not I wouldn't give them an A or an A plus for this free agency period is there's just a lot of cap held up in players that aren't going to make that level of difference. So you could have made a few more all-in moves. Maybe the Bengals were never going to do that, but that's that's why I'm more at like the B range, even though I think both the signings they made were slam dunks. 
And one of the things and we've talked about with restructures, um, I think the smart thing to do is the pay cut conversation, but you have to have the pl player willing to take the pay cut and not just bet on themselves to go into the open market. And maybe they'll get more than that. But I just don't see that happening with this running back draft class. And one of the things credit to the Bengals front office, one of the things that they do is they they will give you your contract. If they promised you they're going to give you this number, they rarely have those discussions. I know it was one with Giovanni Bernard, and they decided to release him, and he went on another team when those discussions were happening about a pay cut, a potential pay cut that season when they decided to go all in with the extension with Joe Mixon. But, yeah, I don't know what that's going to look like. You're right. You bring up a really great point with the $12 million. Where Are you going to spend that to someone for another player? Are you going to use that elsewhere on the roster? If you're not, then then maybe you do just keep it and say you're going to make twelve million dollars this, this year. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> it would, yeah. I mean, it doesn't help on field, but you know, it helps morale and it helps. You know, the players will see that and they'll see like, okay, they didn't make him take a pay cut. If I pay, if I decline a little bit, they they might not ask me to do that. Or you know, it just makes players probably feel more comfortable. And he's a big presence in the locker room, so keeping him happy, I'm sure goes a long way so that that's where i am on it's just like I, I wouldn't make the move just to make the move like i'm not just cutting his pay just because i don't agree with paying this guy 12 million like i don't care but if you're gonna make a move with it please do that make the team better it's just the team doesn't get better just because you add cap and then don't do anything with it i mean that's that's what the bad baseball teams, the, the Buccos and the, the Reds seem to <laughs> seem to love to do. Uh, I don't follow baseball that well. But they do. Yeah, the uh, base. You don't want that. You don't. You don't want to just be saving money for the owner. Like, if it's there and you can, you know, spend it somewhere, go ahead. If Zadarius Smith wants to come on a one-year, twelve million-dollar deal or something crazy, and you're like, well, I don't want to go down to three million. Joe, take a four million-dollar pay cut so that we have seven million to play with. Uh, awesome. But yeah, until then I am kind of in the camp of, I don't really care what they do with the money. <laughs> they just need to sign somebody if they are going to cut the pay or cut him in general. It always feels weird talking about what people should get paid. I know yeah, that yeah. that's it. also a part of it. It's like, I, that's, that's the thing. I don't, I don't care if he's going to make more than he's supposed to like, whatever <laughs> you have to do something with that money. Yeah, no, I like that idea. And, and internally, you know, we don't know what the front office is talking to Joe Mixon about. Um, but it is every day. It looks more and more likely that uh, Joe Mixon will be here. And I'm all for it. If Joe's going to produce, uh, keep Joe in the running back room. And and obviously he is a captain and, and a leader in the locker room for the guys in there. So to be determined what happens there. But I'm sure we'll, this won't be the end of running back discussions on the podcast this offseason. I'm sure there's plenty more uh, depending on what happens in the draft or at 28. Uh, but I'm going to move on to Nick Scott because we talked on Thursday. We were recording. The Bengals were having a few visits. Nick Scott uh, came here. It sounded like it, the visit went well, but he left. And I know the Rams started to say, hey, you know what? We'd really like Nick Scott to come back. And he decided, let's try something different. Let, let's go to Cincinnati. I don't know if you had a, had a moment yesterday, but I listened to his press conference and I'm all in. This sounds exactly like a free agent move that Duke Tobin in this front office, this defensive side, Luana Rumo would all make just from the leadership, what he can do on the defensive side. Still a younger guy, but one of the older guys in the secondary room, yeah. which sounds crazy to say. 
But he just said all the right things. You hear that Mike Hilton was the first one to reach out to him. Joe Burrow was another one. I want to say Joe Burrow saw him in the locker room too uh, the other day, and, and they were able to meet in person. But overall, just feels like a really great fit for the defensive side of the ball. And we talked about it before. I don't see them going and spending $11 million, $10 million in the market. And CJ didn't get that. Uh, yeah. But uh, but overall, I feel like the way they did the deal and, and, and what he's going to be able to do when it comes to the speed, the secondary, the safety room with Dax Hill, it's going to be a really good fit. Yeah, I I really like him. And I know people have read the PFF grades and I just, man, he's a safety. Like he, there are a few plays and this is why I think the, the coverage grade was lower. Is just, he's there. He makes the right read. He makes the right move. He gets in position. He even gets his hand in between the receiver's hands. They just held on. So that's a negative one. But if he gets his hand in there and they don't catch the ball. It's a plus one. So that's what a PFF grade is. It's just like minus one or plus one or minus two plus two on any given play. And so much of that is dependent on what's in front of him. So when he's there, he makes a play. He just, the ball just doesn't come out. And we kind of saw this a little bit with Jesse Bates where in 2020, when he had the insane season, it felt like every time he got near a ball, he was able to knock it out. But then 2021, they were just, the receivers were just catching those. They get paid too. I think of that one Chargers <laughs> deep ball. <laughs> that oh, that wasn't a good one for him. But yeah, it, it, and it was similar with Scott. That's why the PFF coverage grade ends up lower. I really like him. I think he's versatile. I think if you're going to look at a comparison, and I think Mike Hilton had a little bit more, a little bit more weight to his signing. Like people did think higher of him then, but that's the comparison. Mike Hilton was an undrafted free agent told no everywhere. I mean, I think he's told a story about he went, I can't remember what his dream school was, but he went there. It might've been Georgia. He went there and the guy basically told him you're too short. And then he went to Ole Miss. He's just always had that chip on his shoulder. Undrafted free agent works his way up the depth chart and finally starts for the Steelers and they don't value him. So he gets a new deal. Nick Scott, similar. I hope I'm still alive. Nick Scott, similar. Um, Seventh round draft pick from Penn State, and he doesn't start for years. Like he's 27, almost 28 years old, but he's only played like a year and a half of starting stuff. And he was awesome in their playoff run for the Rams. And the Rams fans love him. Like, who are they more upset about losing? It's Nick Scott because of what he was bringing. And it's just, I don't know. I love the story of these guys that are seventh round picks, undrafted free agents, et cetera. And they end up just becoming, you know, full-time starters, earning their money, earning a spot on the team. And that's what Nick Scott is. Anyway, for on-field things, He's great. I think he's very versatile and he maximizes what Dax Hill does much better than like a Taylor Rapp would have. There's a couple of things from listening to him yesterday and I'm not a huge on him ever playing special teams. I hope we, we, we count that out. I want him to be the starter out there with Dax Hill, but he was asked about that. You know, if, if that conversation would be brought up and, and they needed help on special teams or if that conversation happened when he signed his contract in Cincinnati and he just, gave like the perfect answer one that you would give in a job interview but pretty much like I'm, I'm here to do whatever they ask of me it, it wasn't like I'm only a safety on the defensive side I will play special teams I am too good for that or anything like that and his mindset just sounded like this is a guy you want in your room and I'm sure you know when they were able to visit with him last week that's going to be an important part of the conversations of what you're bringing in here the, the, you look at the draft picks you look at the free agent picks over the last three to four years and, and all of that stuff really matters when it comes to the leadership side of everything too and I do think 
that's a difference. Um, I think he's going to be a fun addition and obviously not a huge name. A lot of people are like, oh, Nick Scott, I'm going to have to go back and watch some uh, some videos on him. And he was even bringing up the Super Bowl. And of course, you win the Super Bowl with the Rams, so you're going to be pumped. It was a great experience. And he was like, it was two competitive teams. It was a great game. And um, he's like, you know, sorry about Cincinnati. And, you know, we were excited. But uh, but obviously, that was a really good Bengals team in 2021. And I just I loved all of his responses to the questions. And I just think he's going to be, um, you know, a real right spot for the defensive side. And, and obviously, I know a lot of Bengals fans about a week ago, bummed you lose a guy like Jesse Bates and, and uh, Von Bell. And those that's not going to be easy to replace those guys. But I'm excited and optimistic of what you're going to see from Dax Hill and uh, Nick Scott, and, and maybe it'll take a few games to get them um, get them going out there on the defensive side of the ball, but it should be a lot of fun. But tight end, we're going to talk about this right now, because again, this is what happens. We talk, we record, we talk about the options, and then they'll sign someone. Um, at the moment, that tight end room uh, looks a little uh, not so great. They need, they need a few more bodies in there, and I think they're going to double dip, get a guy from free agency, and then also in the draft, maybe it's not at 28, but it's in the second or third round. Foster Morell. We mentioned it before on the podcast, and he visited with the Cincinnati Bengals, the Saints, two connections. You played at LSU. You played with Joe Burrow. The Saints, the Bengals, they make a lot of sense. Um, sounds like the Raiders are pretty much going to be moving on from him, or, or maybe he's made the decision he doesn't want to go back to the Raiders with a couple of their tight end visits. What do you think about Foster Moreau if he's in Cincinnati? I'm into it. I like him. Um don't want to overstate what he does. He's a good blocker, and he gives you that. So that – I think is a big part is that he's not just a slot receiver type tight end, like a Mike Gesicki. He'll actually get in there and block. That uh, was kind of his role with the Raiders because they had Darren Waller doing <laughs> all the slot stuff and being the crazy vertical threat, but he's athletic. He's athletic. He adds stuff as a receiver. He's probably a little bit more dynamic than Hurst, but the issues come, and he's a better blocker than Hurst. But the reason I don't know if he's a straight up upgrade over Hurst is he's always been kind of not great at catching the ball <laughs> uh 10 plus percent drop rate type thing and you look at some guys like Hurst not I think he's at like three or four like most tight ends are below that so that's the one thing is he's not as consistent he's not as reliable so maybe that's what you look for in the draft uh but I I like him a lot I think you sign him to a couple years just because if he hits you're going to get that cheap cheaper than it should be and uh, then that is what it is. But uh, I like it a lot. It sounds like the Saints are the other competition. Derek Carr maybe trying to woo his tight end. Look, if it was me, I would just feel so disrespected if I got keep getting taken off the field for Taysom Hill. <laughs> so <laughs> even more than Joe Burrow gets his tight ends paid, my argument would just be like, you're gonna come off the field for that for that 33 year old quarterback at times because they love him there, and you're not coming off the field for the Bengals. You're gonna have your shots. So if it was me, that was where I would sign. And also, yeah, Joe Burrow is gonna make you look better than Derek Carr probably will. But I like him a lot. I, I think that would be a good value signing. He's not the only tight end left, but you are starting to really dwindle on your prospective tight ends out there. Yeah, and I, I think that they're probably having conversations behind the scenes with a guy like Mitchell Wilcox, um, just another tight end to have out there. And and maybe it is a draft. Maybe it's I, – I feel like it's more and more every day we get closer to the draft, they're going to go the second-round tight end. But it really okay. just depends on what their board looks like. Um, do some of the guys drop? Uh, is that Michael Mayer there at 28 and they just roll with, the, with him at tight end because they didn't get the guy they wanted in free agency? I was a little surprised with the one-year prove-it deal for the tight end room. Uh, but the Dalton Schultz one, man, 
that felt like it could have been doable for Cincinnati. Absolutely. It almost feels like maybe they didn't even call. They just thought he was out of the price range and moved on. But oh, one year, nine million. <laughs> if you make that move and you cut Joe Mixon down four million, that's like a five million dollar deal. That could have given you so much. And I know look, Schultz gets a little bit too much hype, to, in my opinion. But the Dallas Cowboys not, uniform. Dallas Cowboys uniform. He's not like some deep threat, you know, super exciting option. He's like just reliable. He is the he can block. He can catch, he can run, he can do all that. He's not going to be catching seam balls 30 yards downfield that often, but he is sure a third down weapon. But uh, yeah, that that one kind of stings more than the Gesicki one. Gesicki got the same money, and I think Schultz is a better player. So that's out there. If it's not Moreau, I mean, yeah, it's down to like Irv Smith or Austin Hooper. Or Drew Sample. I I do think they'll get somebody better than that, or at least a better receiver than that. But I don't know. Maybe that is the doomsday, right? The doomsday oh, sample for one million. And you have Wilcox in there. It's like, we're drafting one, guys. <laughs> He's playing a lot. That's an unfortunate draft pick. It really, really is. But you know what? The front office, they, they did better the following draft, and, and they, they've done okay in the last few off-seasons. But, yeah, I agree. I, I think we'll uh, we'll hear a tight end signing soon for, for the tight end room, and you'll probably, they'll probably get another one in the draft. But to be determined, we still got about a month until the NFL draft. We'll have plenty of coverage. I know you have a great piece over on all Bengals. What is up there? So uh, I think since last time Nick Scott article is up there now. So check that out. That came out Monday and I'm going to get some type of prospect draft report up there by Friday. I don't know what it'll be or who, who, what, anything about that. I'm just like, I guess I got to get back in the swing of it unless they, if they sign a tight end, that'll be the article for Friday. But if that doesn't happen, I'm not just going to keep waiting for the next free agency move. I think I have to, I have to personally move on a little bit and keep the content rolling. Mike is moving on from the Bengals free agency. <laughs> it's okay. I'll Until wait it's Jarek McKinnon, my guy. <laughs> You're the, you know what's funny? Because I think a lot of people, maybe they don't realize that he's available or I'm just not hearing his name enough because when I do, or when I'm like looking or peeking at social media, when they, when his name is out there, they're like, Oh no, he's old. Um, He's always heard. I'm like, Okay, bring him in. Let's see. Let's see what yeah, happens. Like one million dollars or two million dollars? Like who cares? Done. Done. Uh, but no, it, it'll be um they're far from over from from free agency moves and just the NFL draft prep as we get closer to that. Everybody check him out over on all Bengals. You can follow him Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson and thank you for listening too. It's always game day in Cincinnati.